Boy, uh, pretty excited to be here. Uh, we'll, we'll read real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. More, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad continence, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fast, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that, there, that thou appearest not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You may be seated. So my topic today is fasting. Um, we're going to do some teaching on fasting. I'm going to talk about when to fast, types of fasting, and how to fast. The Bible uses food to speak to us in many different ways. It tells us about us, how we are, and how we are with food, how we are without food, our appetites. Are we, are we desiring the things that, that we had in Egypt? Are we desiring the manna of God? Are we like Esau? chasing after a, a bowl of pottage instead of the spiritual things. It also is used to teach us about God, Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread. He says, I am the manna. He also says, if you thirst, come unto me. It, it talks to us about fellowship. We have feasts, right? The marriage supper of the lamb. So food really speaks to us. Well, and we're going to narrow that down a little bit. We're going to talk about fasting and when to fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. When should we fast? Is this something we should continually be doing? Well, we just read, Jesus said, when ye fast, right? And what's interesting is this, right before this, he teaches about prayer. Well, we pray all the time. Right after this, he teaches about giving. Well, we give too. So fasting right in the middle of this, we, we should be fasting as a spiritual discipline. Paul. Paul says, be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. He says, hey, watch what I do. Do what I do, right? Second Corinthians, he says, he's in fastings often. So we, as well, should be in fastings often as well, right? If we're, gonna, if we're following Paul, we should, we should be following his example. There's also situational fasting, right? Situations arise that, that we should fast over. We see examples of this in Esther. Esther was a situational fast. Uh, a, something comes up, and it, it was an emergency, right? We see in Nehemiah, Nehemiah has a burden because he learns of his people. The walls of Jerusalem being torn down. It's a situational fast. Another, another type of fast or, or situational fast would be just God laying it on your heart. God puts it on our hearts, we fast. That's, that's a situational fast. So we should be Continually fasting, routinely, for spiritual discipline, but we should also 
be stepping out and fasting for needs. Types of fasts. What, what, what are types of fasts? The word fast actually means to cover the mouth, right? Uh, no food. When, when, when I see this and when we read the Bible, we can see that there was drinking water, right? Uh, Jesus' 40-day fast says, and afterwards he hungered. Uh, that leads lots to believe that he actually drank water at that time. The other type of fast would be an absolute fast. No water, no food. And we see this, we see this with Paul and his conversion in Acts chapter 9. Three days, no food, no drink. Uh, we also see it with Ezra in chapter 10. Again, three days, no food, no drink. And an absolute fast, the, the only one that I find in the Bible longer than thir- three days is Moses, right? And Moses has the longest fast. 80 days, 80 days Moses fast. 40 days when he got the law, he came down, broke the tablets, went back up another 40 days. So we hear about a Daniel's fast. Daniel's fast. Daniel chapter 10 talks about Daniel not eating certain types of food, right? We call this, or people call this a fast. The Bible doesn't. The Bible actually does not refer to this as a fast. Um, because of that, I, I really wouldn't refer to it as a fast either. How to fast. So now we got the mechanics down, we got the when, we got the how, standing from food. How do we fast? What's, what's our heart's intent? I looked into this, and what I find is I find fasting accompanied with a burden. And I don't, I don't want to lump it all together, but majority of the fasts that I find in the Bible have to do with sin, repentance, a burden for, for the effects of sin. And so when we, when we take this burden, the, the effects of sin in my life or sin in my life, and the effects of sin in lives of people I love and care about. What do, I, what, what do I mean by that? The effects of sin. So we have things that came into the world through the fall, right? Um, sickness, sickness is one. Hunger is another. Um, poor, stuff like that. That, that. that is the effects of sin. It's not necessarily that sick people are committing sin, but it's that through sin entering the world, it's a universal concept. So when we have that, we, we see that the, the burden is there, right? Will you put up Second Chronicles 7.14? It says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Now, it's interesting because David in Psalm 35, 13 said, I humble my soul through fasting. And when we look at this, it says, humble themselves, humble my soul through fasting, pray, seek my faith, turn from their wicked ways. Well, when I'm fasting, especially the first day, my wicked ways, they, they rise up in me. My attitudes change. It gives me an opportunity to repent, to, to turn, right? That's what that means. Turn from their wicked ways is simply repentance. When we humble ourselves and we, we get serious about sin, serious about the effects of sin in people's lives, it drives us into a burden where, we have, where we're willing to afflict our souls. And when we look at this in context, we're going to go to the fasting chapter, Isaiah 58. We'll start in verse, verse 3. It says, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. So here, they're, they're finding pleasure. Fasting is a way of, of afflicting our souls, right? Of not finding pleasure. Fasting shouldn't, shouldn't be enjoyable. It should, it should be an affliction. So God, God answers them. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. They're wanting their voice to be heard from, from God. Well, we know God hears us, right? And the, the, this reminds me of, of you know, maybe, maybe somebody raising their voice, try, trying to get the attention, right? Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? So they're making a show of it, making a show of the fast. These are all things contrary to what God wants. I humble my soul through fasting, right? It's, it's the burden I afflict myself. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? It's, this is the effects. And what it is, is it's, it's dealing with the, with the effects of sin, right? It's dealing with the effects of sin. The, the bands of wickedness, heavy burdens, the oppressed. And this, this is how we do it. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh? So not only are we fasting, but 
but we're actually putting our hand to the service, right? And these, again, are all, all effects of sin. People being hungry. Well, that's, that's an effect of sin being in the world. People being poor, again. So when we're afflicting our soul, but we're also stepping out, doing what we can, right? Then shall, the, then shall the light break forth. Then, when we do this, when we step out, then shall the light break forth as the morning. And thy house shall spring forth speedily, and righteous shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward, or your rear guard. Be there watching your back. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth the finger, and speaking vanity. Well, again, this, this is, if I'm fasting, this is for me. This, this is self-examination. This is getting serious about sin in my life. Not only the effects of sin, the feeding the poor, but I need to examine myself. And when I put this stuff away, this is repentance. And let me tell you, God, God is attracted to humility and repentance. And when we afflict ourselves, the, the, the way he chose to suffer... It brings him. It, it, he, he delights in mercy. And if thou draw thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall the light rise in obscurity and the darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy the soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You know what a garden brings forth? Fruit. Fruit. I need more fruit in my life. It means I need, I need more fasting in my life. I need, I need more examination of the things that fasting brings out. When I, when I look at myself, when I look at, at what, where I am without the food, Am I turning to the word of God to sustain me? And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the past to dwell in. You know what that sounds like to me? Restoration and revival. We, our, our, our first scripture in Second uh, Chronicles, you know, we, we look at that and we like to use that when hard times come. I've, I use that when hard times come. But when I take an honest look, when I, get, when I get serious with sin, when I get serious with sin in my life, when I look around at the people I love and I care about, and I see the addiction... I see the health, I see all this stuff. Giving up some meals isn't, isn't, isn't really a big thing. 
seeking the face of God. That's what really matters. Right? As through our afflictions that we come to know them. It's through the things we, we give up. It's through the burdens we have for our friends and our family. And when God moves, and he does, it may not always be on my time. And that's okay. That's okay. It may not be how I, how I think either. That's okay. We talk about we talk about fasting for a, a spiritual bank account. And I, I get it. I get it. But there is, there is something that we have. And what that is, is, is when we're doing these things, when we're praying, when we're fasting, when we're seeking God, it's not that we have a spiritual bank account, but it's we have confidence in God. I've prayed for this person. I fasted over this situation, and I believe what the Word of God says. That's, I believe what the Word of God says. I read Isaiah 58, and, and I'm closing up here. We can see this play out in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. He learns of his people living in reproach, walls torn down. And he fasts, and he prays, and God moves. He opens a door. Nehemiah puts his hand to it. God only, God opened a door. Nehemiah actually put his hand to it. He's back in Jerusalem. They build a wall in less time than we probably could now. And that wall brings a separation. A separation. That separation brings conviction in the reading of the word of God. The conviction brings about people changing and repenting. Which brings about God actually restoring a feast that, that they, to me it seems was lost. The Feast of Tabernacles. He's restoring the old ways. Raising up. All because one man stepped into the gap and was a repairer of the breach. Amen. Well, that was good. <clears throat> In my... Uh... My topic is prayer. Uh, Luke 11.1 1 says, and it, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that was Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. <clears throat> you know, and it's, I don't know, it's a tough, couple of tough subjects. Prayer and fasting, right? You know, it's, <clears throat> it's very, they're both important. They're important in our lives. They're challenging. They're, um, I don't know, does anybody have them down? Nobody yet? Guess I can teach on it, right? <laughs> Guess we need some help. But it's, it, they are challenging. It's, but it's vital. Both of them are vital. They're, they're both vital in, in our lives, prayer and fasting and, and, um, but it, prayer is something we need to learn. The, the disciples said to Jesus, teach us as John taught his disciples. And, 
And um, we can learn by being taught. This is the easiest thing. It's the least amount of effort. You guys are sitting there today and you're not taking, it doesn't take much of an effort just to listen. All you have to do is listen. Applying it is another, that's a whole different subject, applying it. And, and then we can learn by reading books about prayer. This takes a little bit more effort on our part. We've got to have some interest figuring, hey, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about prayer. I'm going to give it an effort and, and try learning to pray better. And, and, um, but we're actually learning from what somebody else dug up, right? Somebody else's experience. So it's a little more effort. And then we can learn by reading the Bible. We can actually dig it out ourselves. Let's say, I want to I know everything there is the Bible says about prayer and, and we can try digging it out for ourselves. Well, that takes even a little more effort. And then we can, we can learn by teaching others. And that, I, I don't know if anybody has ever had that experience where you have to teach somebody something and you don't forget it when you have to. You, have, you learn the subject, you study it, you dig into it, you and you teach it to somebody else that takes even more effort. And then, last of all, we can learn by doing. <clears throat> we can study, we can try something, we fail, we can change our methods, try it again, make some progress, fail, real, evaluate it again, and, and, um, and just by doing it. And that's probably the, the application of the prayer of, of being taught. But we actually learn. We learn by our experiences. And, um, <clears throat> but the, on the other hand, about learning, we can, we can know how to do something and, and not do it. I can teach about it and not do it. You can teach about it. You can talk about it. We can, and not do it. So the, the deal is, is to do it just do it and I'll just I'll I have some just some quick observations about prayer um, it's really kind of, it prayer is really simple it's so simple that even a, a child can do it child can have answered prayer and and um, the first thing is we have to have a commitment to prayer you know it, it we just have to commit to it that's the number one thing. This is if we can do anything, we should just commit to prayer. Just commit and do it. And we would learn about it. We would get better at praying. And um, but we don't we have a tough time making commitments. We just do. We it's easier and my brother Bob used to say when we had stuff going on at the church and we tried getting people to help at the church and he would he would say, Well, they gave me the hee haw. They, he, you know, and I knew what exactly what he was saying. You know, they did not commit. They kind of, they kind of, well, yeah, you know, I might be there, something like that. That's, and, and that's kind of the way we are with prayer, right? <clears throat> yeah, maybe we'll do it if we got time or <clears throat> whatever. So, James, James four two says, "Ye lust and ye have not; ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain." Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. It's pretty simple. 
The reason we don't have, we don't have answers to prayer is simply because we don't, we don't pray. The, the, uh, the parable of the, of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, it's, we have to have persistent prayer. So we have to have, persistent means, another word for persistent is tenacious, determined, insistent, stubborn, tireless, steadfast. So we just, we just have to do it. We just have to commit to prayer and do it. The other thing uh, in prayer, and I actually have, what do I have here, about seven of them, eight of them, about eight, eight little, little topics here of the simple things of prayer and repentance. John chapter 9, verse 31 says, now, and this is quite a, I love chapter 9 of John, the story of the, the man that's healed, the blind man that's healed, and, and, uh, um, and uh, it says we know in that, I don't know how many times it says in that chapter, we know, we know, and it says, now we know that God heareth not the sinner, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So we, we need to repent. If we're going to pray, we should always, we should always repent. I guess, I should, wait a minute, I'm not, I shouldn't say that. For those people in here that aren't perfect, we should repent. But all the perfect ones in here, you don't have to repent. So us unperfect ones, we spend a little bit more time in prayer than you because we, ha we have to repent. I mean, right? Uh, so we repent. Likewise, 1 Peter 3, 7, it something that hinders us, us husbands. Uh, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers not be hindered. So we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to have a good relationship with our husband, our wives that are, and it doesn't say that the wife needs to have a good and I don't know why that is. I, I sat there and I, I thought about that. Why doesn't the, if my wife doesn't treat me right, why isn't her prayers hinders, hindered? But it's mine that are hindered if I don't pre treat her right. So husbands, treat your wives right. Uh, the third one is, is prayer and uh, praise and worship. Matthew 6, 9 and Matthew 6, 13 says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it's, it's bookend. Prayer in the Bible, prayer is bookend with praise and worship. In, in verse 13, and, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the, the power and the glory forever. Amen. So praise and worship. Uh, number four is use his name. John 14, 14 says, if ye, ask, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, and the, the thing about it is, the thing about prayer is God wants to answer our prayers. I, I guess I should have put that as a point here, right? God wants to answer our prayers. Um, that's a whole, I actually taught a lesson on that some years ago. God, God desires to answer mine and your prayers. And um, 
Number five, pray according to his will. First, first John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, will he heareth us. James 4, 3 says, Ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. So we ask, we also pray, when we pray, we pray, God, if it's your will, right? If it's your will. And I don't know, I, sometimes I don't know, you know, what my will is and what God's will is is two different things. Even though I, I'm not, you know, is it, is it God's will that, that, um, well, let's see here. I want to be careful. You know, there's just sometimes there's gray areas, right? Is God trying to do something through a situation? And I'm praying for the situation to be taken care of where God is trying to do something in that situation. And so the best thing to do is to pray God's will. God, I don't understand this. And that's, I'll get into that a little further here. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem right. There's no justice here. There's a, but the reality is, is God might be trying to do something there. And I don't want to get in the way of God. So pray for, pray for God's way. Pray in, in faith, Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And it's really kind of, that's really kind of ironic, isn't it? It's that, <clears throat> that Jesus would say that, that uh, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So it's like, that's kind of, uh, it's pretty, why would you pray if you didn't believe you're going to get it? Why, why go through the bother? But the reality is he said it for a reason. And the, the reality is, is we can pray without believing that God will answer our prayer. Or am I the only one that does that? I know that. I know I'm a human being. I know if I have that problem, most everybody is going to have that problem. Because we're going to pray, you know, what's the use of praying for it? I prayed this prayer for how many years and... And God hasn't answered that prayer. And, and, uh, but the reality is, is, is we have to believe. And there are sometimes we lose our faith. Our, we have to find our faith and say, wait a minute. God, this is what your word says. If we ask believing in your will, in your name, we will receive it. And you want to give it to us. And if it's not your will, then apparently it, you're going to, maybe you're going to wait or whatever. But I believe that you're going you're gonna to answer my prayer. No vain, no vain repetition. This is actually something not to do. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. And when you pray, use not vain repetition as a heathen do, for they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. So there's times really what this is saying is that there's times that our brain is disengaged from our mouth. We pray with a disengaged brain. We're just saying words and our we're actually as brother Walters would say we're at six flags, right? We're somewhere else while we're praying. 
And this can be done, <clears throat> this can be done with the, we're praying and it's a thank you Jesus, hallelujah, and, and, and this can be done with speaking in tongues. It can be done, and you, we just have to be careful with that. That when we are, we are in prayer with God is that we're engaged with God. Praying, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 1, uh, uh, Jude uh, verse 20 and 21. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So it's up to us. We need to, it's, it's us. We, we're the ones that are, that are supposed to build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So, and we, I don't even know if I left that verse in here. I didn't. But praying in the Holy Ghost, there's times we, don't not, we do not know what to pray for. I don't know if anybody, you know, us men, we're fi we want to be fixers. We want to have an answer for everything. And if we don't have an answer for something, it's, it's uh, usually we're kind of confused and really don't know what to do because we don't have the answer. We're kind of, we might even be uh, maybe uh, at a standstill because we don't have the answer. That's men. And, um, <clears throat> but the Holy Ghost helps us with that. We pray, we pray when we, don't, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost will pray through us. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> that is, those are the things, you know, and I had, I had in here, I, I took them out, but some of the reasons, I, I thought of some of the reasons that we do pray, and I actually removed them out of here, I wanted to make this pretty short, and... Um, but I had a couple other things to say. And uh, the book of Revelation, <clears throat> if you look through that and you see all the times in heaven that there's worship, and it, it says, you know, there's angels worshiping God, there's, there's human beings worshiping God. And, and I've heard it said that if you don't like worshiping God in heaven or in, on earth, you're going to have a tough time with heaven, right? But I started thinking about that, and I thought, you know, if we have a tough time wanting to communicate with, with God on earth, whoa, what's that leave us in heaven? You know, when we get to heaven, you know, if all of a sudden we're going to be Jesus' best friend, if we have a tough time here, yeah, that's quite a, I mean, it's, I guess it's the same, down the same thought as worship, right? You know, and, and so, uh, you know, the, I don't know if uh, Azusa Street Prophecy, if, if how many people seen that? Uh, so over a hundred years ago, Azusa Street in California, where there's a, the great revival that spread from uh, Topeka, Kansas, down into Texas to California, and started this this latter day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And there was a there was a prophecy given, 
and this is, it was recorded. It's recorded in books. Um, I don't know how many books I've, I've read it in people that have, that have copied it and history of Azusa Street. And, and it says, it, the prophecy is in the last days, three, three things will befall the great Pentecostal movement. An overemphasis on power rather than righteousness and an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit rather than the Lordship of Christ. And the second one is an overemphasis on praise to a God they no longer pray to. Praise, overemphasis, they're all overemphasis. An overemphasis on, uh, on praise to a God they no longer pray to. And I, are we living in those days? You know, I, I believe this was a true prophecy that came out of Azusa Street. And, and um, are we living in those days? I, I used to have this stuck up, pinned on my, in my basement and on my uh, bulletin board at my office, had it on my refrigerator because it's, it's kind of the, the three of them are uh, pretty serious and I want to make sure I'm not living in that prophecy so our our goal our goal is to delight in prayer and I know we can make it we can make it a a chore and sometimes it is that but but really we need to delight in prayer right we need to delight in communication with God and it's it's not a checklist it's not a checklist, it's not, it's not doing, but it's actually being, right? There's a difference, we can, we can do stuff or we can be, be something. And the thing is, we need to be, we need to be a, a man or woman of prayer with a relationship with God. And I, I read I've, uh, this quote somewhere, I, I, actually I knew it was in an email that I sent to myself and it said, when the pressure is on, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your, press, your preparation. And really, prayer is that, right? To have a relationship with God is a preparation for things to come. Uh, and uh, so, just in review, commit to prayer, repent, praise and worship, use his name, Jesus' name, pray according to his will, Pray in faith, no vain repetition. Pay attention to what we're praying and pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's stand. <clears throat> Let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to be in church. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that we'd be doers of the word and not just hearers only, that we would, we would pray and fast. We'd make it practice of praying and fasting, that we would draw closer to you through these two spiritual disciplines that we'd actually delight in prayer and we would actually commit our, to prayer and fasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.